You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help us spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help others find this podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I try to be an open book, and uh, most times I come out and I'm pretty lighthearted. And uh, just, I, I want to be honest with you this morning. I feel like I've been in uh, some spiritual warfare. Um, sometimes you need a family meeting, and we're the family of God. And uh, I think that the, I don't think, I know that the enemy would like for us to be silent and uh, to withdraw and to surrender to his plan. Um, normally when I get in the pulpit right after worship, I like to go right into the message, but I believe there's something important that I need to address, uh, before we do that. Now hear me, I'm not an, an attorney. I, I, I'm not a, a legal scholar by any means, uh, but I have sought counsel with those around me and we've also, uh, contacted Christian law. And, and got a little bit of feedback uh, from them. Uh, when I started preparing for this series, the blood series, um, I had no idea uh, about um, the Equality Act. I really didn't know much about it. Um, kind of finds, it, it's amazing to me, and, and after I share this and then go on into the message, it, it seems like God just ordained this time uh, for the message that I'll be preaching about today. So I want to talk to you a little bit this morning, and please, I'm not here to offend, uh, to divide. Um, I'm not here, uh, somebody's going to say, well, you're getting political in, in the pulpit. Uh, I'm not getting political. Uh, I'm trying to defend what God-given right and freedom that I have and that you have as born-again Christians. So why should Christians oppose uh, the HR5, the Equality Act? Um, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago, I, I got a uh, email and somebody printed it off and they laid it on my desk or it came to my wife, I don't remember exactly. And it was from Franklin Graham and he was talking about, you know, the Christians, why we should oppose this act. So, and, and he had the reasons laid out and I did not want to just go by his words. So four or five of us got around the conference table and then uh, Mike Hill, our administrator, done some research and, and here's what we, we have found to be truth. And if I misspeak today, if I am not correct, and you know that I'm not correct, you bring it to my attention after church and it will be researched and I will stand before this body of believers and be uh, corrected and make it right. So why should we oppose this Equality Act? The bill opposes the biblical view of life. It opposes the view of, biblical view of marriage and the biblical view of gender. So my question is to you, if we are Christ followers, then why would we pivot from the word of God? Why would we shrink back from the word of God? Again, I'm not here to excite the crowd. 
I, I feel like the church has been silent for decades and that is why we're in the place that we're at today. So when we researched this and found out, and first of all, listen to me, there, there's things in this act uh, that I agree with. There's no reason anyone can't go get a loan, no matter what your gender is, what your marriage status is, uh, housing, food, I understand all that. And those are good things. But there's a lot of issues that are trying to be forced through very silently. They won't even announce when Senate's gonna vote on it because they don't want you and I to know anything about it and do anything about it. So this bill expands the availability of abortion. Now, as a blood-bought, born-again Christian, I cannot and will not support abortion, and I can't imagine anybody that walks with God saying abortion is all right. But this bill will give the abortion uh, a green light. If you go as a healthcare worker and you sign up at an abortion clinic, then you know what you're signing up for. Am I right? But this new bill will give a green light and every healthcare facility or professional that refuses to, to perform an abortion, that act would now be considered discrimination. So we have healthcare workers here that work in our local hospitals and if you are told to assist in an abortion and you decline that, you didn't sign up for that when you went to medical school. You didn't sign up for that when you filled out the application in a local hospital or doctor's office and then you stand up and say, no, I don't believe in that, then you are discriminating and you can be brought to suit. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? The bill removes the freedom of businesses, healthcare facilities, and other organizations to make decisions based upon religious and moral beliefs. Any decision could be considered discrimination due to the repeal of the Religious Freedom Reformation Act. So if you own a business and the LGBTQ community wants your service and you do not feel that you can do that, and you deny that, then you are held accountable and you can be sued for discrimination. The bill prohibits our church from controlling how our facility is used for public events. Because we open up our, our church to the community, not just to Jewel City members. And we do so because I feel that's a form of ministry. And in many cases, we don't even charge for it. But now, if this goes through, they're gonna tell us that we can't deny certain groups from using our building for a wedding shower or a reception or a baby shower or whatever. Is that what we want? If this bill is passed, this bill opens the opportunity, you need to hear this, this is sick. Opens the opportunity for schools to freely teach the sexual orientation and gender identity 
agenda and permit students to freely express the lifestyle and choose sports teams, bathrooms, etc. So if a young man goes in, if this passes, if a young man goes into our high school and said he feels like he's a woman, then he's allowed to go in the ladies' restrooms, allowed to join the women's sporting events, teams. And you don't, I have been saying in the last year oftentimes, we need to get our head out of the sand. And you think it's gonna stop there. It's not gonna stop there. This cancel culture is from the devil. Do you hear what I'm saying? And what do we do as a church? We back up, we back up, we back up, we shut up, and they step all over us. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. If a man has a right by law to marry another man or a woman marry a woman, and that's what you choose to do, you go for it. But don't tell me and don't ram it down our throats of what, you're taking away our rights. Do you hear me? We all have rights. We all have rights. Morally, if you don't feel like you want to accommodate, then we ought to have the right. This is God's house. This is God's property. This, some people say, well, that's Robert's church because I'm the founder. Robert ain't got very little to do with it. This is God's house. We are God's people and it's gonna be used for God's glory and no other way. Do you hear me? So I have five clipboards and if they would be passed to each row. And if you would like to, and I wanna read to what we are petitioning. As registered voters in the state of West Virginia, we urge Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Shelley Moore Capito to vote against the HR5, the Equality Act, due to the negative impact the bill will have on religious and moral freedoms of businesses, churches, nonprofit organizations, teachers, students, healthcare professionals, and every citizen of the United States. And if you agree with that, I'm gonna ask you to sign that petition. And I'm gonna do my very best to hand it to our senators personally. If you are watching my live stream, Right now, on the screen, it gives you a place that you can go to our website and you can sign that. Those that are watching on WBOY, you can go to our website and you can sign that. I'll be making phone calls this week to as many local pastors as I can. Now listen, if you're here this morning and you disagree with what I say and what this says, If you believe all this is okay, then that's your right, okay? Don't get mad at me. Can we agree to disagree? Let's not be divided as a church. But I'm telling you, it's not of God. 
and it's not of the word of God. I have felt in the last 24 hours the pressure that the enemy would bring on me to silence me. But I'm not cut from that cloth. And the last thing I want to do is offend anybody in this room. But I'm not cut from that cloth. And I ain't changing. Stand with me as we read the word of God this morning. We're in the blood series. Thank God for the blood. That's what America needs is the blood of Jesus. It's what our schoolhouses need. We need the blood. We need Jesus in our, in our school. We need, we need our teachers to stand up. We need our healthcare workers to stand up. I started in the Garden of Gethsemane. We went to the whipping post. We went to the crown of thorns. Today we go to the cross where his hands and his feet. He gave his hands and his feet. Nobody forced it because he surrendered. He could have stopped it all. Could have stopped it all. If you remember, we started out a few weeks ago. Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge meaning the word of God and what blessings are in the word of God. If you remember, I spoke about the number seven in the Bible. It means whole, complete. It's not by coincidence that Jesus bled seven different places from his body. So the fourth place Jesus bled was when he shed his blood from his hands where the soldiers pounded spikes through his hands to the cross. I believe that through the bloodshed from his nail-pierced hands, God is saying to you and I the same as he said to Joseph. In Genesis 39 and 1, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph is now a slave. And what the devil means for harm, God can turn it around every time. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all, somebody say all, that he did to prosper in his hands, in his hands. Very important. That's why the blood was shed from his hands. Did everything we put our hand to, including that petition, will prosper. We need to petition a whole bunch more stuff too. Amen, you may be seated. Go ahead, give God a great hand clap of praise this morning. Before the fall, before the fall of Adam, you and I were created by God to be in charge. 
You need to hear this. I'm telling you, this is so incredible. Before the fall of Adam, you and I were created by God to be in charge of and to have dominion of all over this earth. Genesis 1 and 26, then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our image, according to our likeness. And listen to what he says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. There is your gender identity. It's not real complicated. Plumbing is not hard to understand. From the beginning, God created man. Created man in his, in his likeness. We didn't come from a, an explosion. We didn't come from an ape. We were created by God, created in his image, and God alone is worthy to be praised. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That's the way it works. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, let us make man in our own image. He said, after our likeness, it distinguishes man from all other life. There's other life on this planet, animals, and I know I love my dogs. But we're the only ones that's created in the likeness of God, and that is man and woman. God made both male and female. He, both, he made both man and woman in his image. Any man, any society that downgrades and enslaves a woman is wrong. There's been a lot of battles in the last several years to win women's rights, and rightfully so. In my opinion, and if you disagree with me, you have every reason to be wrong. <laughs> this gender identity tears down women's rights, does not lift up women's rights. Women should be able to fulfill their function on earth in dignity and in honor. Our young girls should be able to play on a girls team and not have to worry about somebody that feels like they're a girl because they're not unless God created them that way. A woman is a man's companion. And I thank God I've got a companion. Genesis 2 and 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate, a helper, a companion. Eve, 
All throughout scriptures, when God speaks of marriage, he speaks of marriage between a man and a woman. God placed all authority, Rusty, all authority in the hands of Adam and Eve. But when Adam disobeyed God, the authority was taken from us and Satan became the God of this world. And you have got to be blind or ignorant if you can't see that Satan is on the rampage. And you and I have been built for the battle and silence is not an option. I didn't say arrogance, but I said silence is not an option. So Satan began to take charge. When Jesus was crucified, he shed his blood as they drove spikes into his hands so you and I could regain our dominion and become overcomers. Overcomers. If you and I are to be an overcomer, there must be something he has for us to overcome. There has to be a battle. He has built us for that battle. Because from the beginning of time, he knew what was happening in 2021. And he said, I've got some people that are built for the battle. Romans 8 and 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, through him. My battle is not against those that are making the laws. My battle is not against flesh and blood. My battle is against the devil. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our authority has been redeemed through the shed blood of Jesus' hands. As Christians, we should not be timid. Should not be timid. We should not be backing up on defense all the time. Why don't we play a little bit of offense? You can't win a ball game if you don't play some offense. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can have victory over the enemy of our lives who is out to destroy us. His long-term plan is to destroy your family, is to destroy what we know is right between man and woman to be married. He wants to destroy everything that God has set apart. We can have victory over the enemy of our lives who is out to destroy us, but listen to the word of God. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Instead of being on defense all the time, as I already said, why don't we go on offense just a little bit? Why don't we lay hands uh, and lay hold uh, on things uh, that belong to us that God has already given us? Why don't we lay hands? Even the world notices, even the world notices when the Lord causes his people to prosper because it was an example that I read earlier Potiphar observed that although Joseph was a slave, he was successful and he was prosperous. I'll read it to you again in Genesis 39 and three. The Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. This is why the devil doesn't want you to lay hands on anything. Because of the blood that was shed from the hands on the cross of Calvary gives you authority, gives me authority, and gives us power. And I've been praying, God, loose my hands. That everything that I touch will prosper. Why don't you take authority over what belongs to you, what God has given you, your children, your marriage, lay hands on your children, lay hands on your, your spouse and claim what God has, a blessed life and a blessed family for you and your household. 
James 5 and 14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. We had a prayer meeting for of us right here this week. One of the ladies that are here this morning was very concerned over medical reports that, that was coming in on her daughter, but we pleaded the blood of Jesus. We anointed we spoke the word of God. We laid hands on and said, devil, you can't have this. Why don't we just plead the blood of Jesus over our nation and this cancel culture and this gender identity and all this other stuff and say, hey, this is not of God and petition God and plead the blood of Jesus over our nation that we'll come back to God and give God all the glory and give God all the honor. <laughs> Woo! Jesus laid his hands down. Scotty, he laid his hands down. He didn't resist. And they drove those spikes into his hands and his blood was shed. And when that blood dropped, dominion came back into the hands of all of us who believe. And I believe this. This is not just preacher talk, man. I plead the blood of Jesus over my kids, over my wife, over my family, over this church, over our staff. I call them out by name. Take your hands and begin to lay them on everything. Start claiming the blessings of God and do it with authority by the blood and by the name of Jesus. Healthcare workers, when you're at work tomorrow, lay hands on the walls. Plead the blood of Jesus. Doctors, do the same. School teachers, coaches in your gym. Doesn't have to be a public spectacle. Lay hands on the wall and plead the blood of Jesus to say, this isn't coming to our church. This isn't coming to our school. This isn't coming to my hospital. This isn't coming to my doctor's office. The fifth place where Jesus shed his blood was where they drove the spikes through his feet, nailing him to the cross. My feet, they hurt. I whine about it. I go April 19th and put a bunch of needles and see if I got neuropathy. You big baby. <laughs> they drove the nails, the spikes through the feet of our Savior that you and I could have dominion over everything. The fifth place where Jesus shed his blood was where they drove the spikes through his feet nailing them to the cross. Think about the painful Think about how painful. The blood shed from his feet also redeemed us from our loss of dominion and authority. Here's God's plan. Deuteronomy 28 and 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them, the blessing of being exalted is only promised to the obedient people that will stand up and say, hey, that's not the way God wants me to go. Obedience can be painful. Everybody's not gonna like it when you're obedient to God. A promise that God's people would always be on top, a promise that we would always have the upper hand, it is conditional. Obedience is conditional. Luke 19 and 17, and he said unto him, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, 
have the authority over 10 cities. When you're faithful with the small things, God will promote you to the big things. Can someone say amen? amen? Through Jesus shed blood from his feet, we don't have to be trampled by Satan. And I feel like that's what is going on. The devil just keeps tramping on us. And we just keep backing up and shutting up. Instead, we are to trample on Satan. We sing a song, well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what the devil took from me. Well, I just believe today that maybe that is true uh, with these signatures. We're going into the devil's camp and we're going to take back what the devil has stolen and tried to steal from us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't be silent. Look at your other neighbor, the one who looks miserable right now, and say, neighbor, we got to take a stand. Deuteronomy 11 and 24. Do we believe the word of God? I mean, listen to the word of God. Deuteronomy 11 and 24. Every place on which the sole of your foot tread shall be yours. Now that, you know, I walked down through the mall last night and, and, and my feet was on the, that doesn't mean I'm going to own the mall. God's promise, uh, he promised us victory over all the enemies of life. Every place the sole of my foot treads, I'm promised victory. But the promise is conditional. We have been commanded to go, not have a holy huddle on Sunday morning here and never do anything out there. Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is our world. Our school is our world. Huh? We gotta go. Mark 1 and 15, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye. Repent ye and believe the gospel. We need repentance. We need people with some backbone that will preach repentance, that everything is not right. If it doesn't line up with God, it is not right. It is wrong and we need to repent. I am a sinner, you are a sinner. We need the gospel to cut us open and to convict us of our sins and we've gotta share that it's not right and we've got to ask people through the word of God to repent of your sins. Give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Would not this be impossible unless we had the authority to take dominion over Satan's earthly kingdom? Why would God tell us to do this if we didn't have the right and the authority and the power in it? God will never send us someplace that he hasn't already equipped us. My goodness. Here's what we're told by the word of God in Deuteronomy 31 and six. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong. Don't go backwards. Be strong and of good courage and fear not. And be not afraid of those, them, the ones that want to just disrupt. Everybody that says they're a believer is not a believer of God. 
Well, I see people say, well, I'm a believer. Well, so what in the devil? Come out from amongst them. Live a separate and a holy life. Repent of your sins. And ask God to forgive you. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, repent of their sins, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their cry and I will heal their land. Church, we need to repent to God, all of us. Someone just stand with me this morning and give God a great hand clap and a great shout of praise. Somebody tell him, God, forgive our nation. God, forgive me. God, forgive our communities. God, forgive us of our sins. Stand with me. Stand with me and give me another hour. I know I'm not being too laughable today. I feel like I'm on a mission. As believers, you and I have the authority to bind the devil in our neighborhoods. And I'm guilty of not doing it. And the Lord has laid in my spirit to walk around our schools. So this week I'm gonna be walking and I'm not going clear around the building because they'll have me arrested. I think I'm some pervert peeking through the windows, but everything, ah, don't go there, Robert, don't go there. But if I really believe that everywhere, the sole of my feet will cancel out the enemies of my life, the enemies of our schools, the enemy of our students. We've had the prayers, Christians have had the prayers, I don't blame nobody else, taken out of our schools. But it's okay for our high school at Lincoln to have an LGBTQ club right now, right now. It's okay, it's okay. But if I talk about it, I'm a bigot. I'm a homophobe. I ain't no bigot. But I'm a man of God with a pulpit, with a podium, with a platform. And I'll not stand in front of him and ask why I didn't speak the truth. We got the authority to bind drug addicts. We do. We fall short of it, all of us, including myself. We got the authority to bind violence, homosexuality, perversion of all sorts, because wherever we go, God is with us. I wrote a little book, you, some people cringe. I wrote a little book, it's back there on the tables before you leave the sanctuary, it's free, take one. God told Moses to tell the children of Israel, listen to this, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord and the blood shed, excuse me, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. How do you put the blood of Jesus 
over your doorpost. You read the word of God. You pray to God. You speak the word of God over your children, over your family, over your schools, over your communities. Every teacher in here, you ought to plead the blood of Jesus over your students. I know you can't walk up and down and lay hands on them, but as they're coming through, you can be speaking beneath your breath. Believe his promises of protection in your family. Command the enemy. Command the enemy to leave your children, your family, your marriage, your finances. The angel of death cannot cross the bloodline. The bloodline is applied to my home I didn't, and my family. I didn't say my children would not make mistakes, but I'll tell you, when you train up a child in the way it go, they may leave for a season, but they will come home. You plead the blood of Jesus over your children. I don't care how far in the gutter they are right now. They're still your son. They're still your daughter. They still have a soul. You don't give up on them. I said you don't give up on them. You plead the blood of Jesus over your children. Deuteronomy 11 and 24 in the NIV, NIV, every place where you set your foot will be yours. Walk around everything that you want to claim for Jesus. It's time to back up the enemy instead of us being backed up all the time. Somebody come to the piano. How can we do this? How? 1 John 4 and 4, he who is in you is greater than he that is in this world. It's time we let him out. 1 Corinthians 7 and 14 in the NIV, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Your spouse may not be saved. You plead the blood of Jesus. I've heard some of the older saints say their husbands, the ladies will say their husbands wasn't saved and they took anointing oil and anoint the sheets and anoint the pillow. And plead the blood of Jesus over them. If your spouse ain't saved, there's an enemy that's after your spouse. So everywhere your foot trods, you can defeat the enemy. Everywhere your hand touches, begin to walk around his golf cart. Begin to walk around her soap opera TV. And plead the blood of Jesus and actually mean it. What would it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and lose their soul? I've had the opportunity, I believe, to lead, I don't know, a couple thousand people the Lord I don't want to be remembered of that in my own children and my own grandchildren be lost can we rise up and take dominion can we take back what God has given us and the devil has taken from us he's taken our children man he has a lot, of, a lot of parents in this room, you know, and you worry about it, that your children are not right with God. We need to take dominion. Seven places, seven benefits, seven blessings. We've seen it. 
We got to rise up and take dominion. I'm not going to shut up. They may not like me in this town. I started out that way. <laughs> Cult leader. You name it. Started out that way. In the last few years, few years, it's been pretty calm. That's not the way I need it. Need to ruffle some feathers. When we go where he tells us to go, he will be with us. We don't serve a savior that is dead. We don't serve a savior that is laying in a tomb. We serve alive and well. He's full of life. He's full of power. He's full of anointing. We just gotta rise up and claim it. Jesus said, and I'll close, I think I will. John 20 and 21, Jesus said, peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. He's sending me. He's sending you. All this Bible education and all these years of me and you and everything we've learned, yeah, it's good for us, Tommy. It's good. It's good for us, Steve, Paul. It's good. We're accountable to take it to somebody else, coach. We're accountable to take it to the people that God puts around us. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've lost 10 pounds this morning. I thank you, Father. Father, forgive me first. Forgive me, Lord, of my faults and of my failures. Forgive me, Lord, when I've been silent. Forgive me when I've been complacent. Forgive me when I've been stubborn. Forgive me when I just need forgiven, God. God, have mercy on our nation. Have mercy on our families. God, have mercy on our schools. God, I pray for every child in America and around the globe for the multitudes that have never heard the name Jesus that don't know anything different than what their culture is teaching them. Raise somebody up around them, Lord. <laughs> Church, I, I picked up a family this week that was walking a mom and a dad and a little boy. Every head still bowed. And, and it was a pitiful sight. And I thought to myself, this may be my, this boy, this little boy's only opportunity, I'd say he was eight, nine years old, to share a little bit of Jesus in him. And I was so glad that I did. And there's been times I've been silent. We got, we got kids, if you could just close your eyes and listen, that are going through such, such pressure and they need somebody in their life that will love them. We've got kids in our schools, in your classrooms uh, uh, that, that, that don't have a father figure. You've got kids in your classrooms that need a little love. You've got health workers. You've got somebody who comes in the emergency room, somebody in, in your clinic, somebody coming to see you for more than a medical issue. Ask God to equip you with discernment 
that you can plead the blood of Jesus and share in a way that will change somebody's life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know about you, but I need a good cry. Nobody looking around, nobody gonna come to you. Your soul, your soul is so important that Jesus let him nail him to a tree. Your soul is so valuable, your life. He wanted to be with you and fellowship with you so much that he died. Can you accept him or will you turn him away? Nobody coming to you this morning. If you're here this morning and you've not right, you're not right with the Lord, slip your hand up high and say, today, I want to give my life to the one that gave his life for me. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? I plead with you. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, slip your hand up high. Is there one? All over this auditorium this morning, the Lord has spoken to your heart that you need to go, that you need to be more vocal, that you need to influence people's lives more. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Solder's open. Solder's open. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast.